It's a joy to be with you. I'm excited for what God is going to do today. I want to start by uh, sharing a story, a story that I'm sure many of you have heard, and um, uh, I'm going to, you'll have to hear it again if you have, and uh, maybe you'll learn something new. Back in 2011, God opened the door uh, for me to become a pastor. I was serving this small United Methodist Church in Northwest Ohio as their youth pastor, and through a series of very unexpected, um, very quick, um, almost miraculous events, I just I became their senior pastor. And it's not how it works in our system, but it's what happened. And uh, hold on to that thought: something unexpected um, and uh, rather quick and somewhat miraculous. It's a theme for the way that I've seen God work. I remember the first uh, couple weeks of becoming a pastor, I remember thinking to myself, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating, I remember the, the first couple weeks, I was like, this is what I was created for. Have you ever been in a place where you're just like, you you've maybe weren't always sure your place in this world, as Disney would put it, but uh, God just makes it really clear, and you're just like, this is, this is what, everything I've been, str- like, this makes sense. Everything I wanted in life, I felt uh, I should do with my life, that I wanted to accomplish, it just all of a sudden lined up. And I never felt more clear or passionate about what God was doing in my life. It was an exciting time. And it led to so many new adventures that I ended up going to seminary where I met Alyssa. And uh, um, I got a seminary degree, but I also, we also got married. Um, so um, uh, that was exciting. And then we would serve in that church together. We, we launched all kinds of ministries to the poor. We saw our, do- our attendance double. We saw new and younger people follow Christ. We saw people step into ministry. In fact, just last week, I, I ran into somebody who was a part of that church who's now a pastor. And uh, God just did so many amazing things. But soon after a year or two of God uh, being at this church, God began to stir within my heart um, this uh, something that just wouldn't shut up. Um, and I felt God begin to call us to plant a church, to, to start something new. And I shared this desire with Alyssa, and together we began to, to go on this journey of discernment. And I remember when we first felt this call to plant a church, like most people who felt let, feel led to do something, you assume it's meant to happen right now. I don't know if you've ever, ever been there, but it's like, well, I feel called to do this, so it needs to happen today. It needs to happen right now. So we started working on this plan, even though we had no idea what we were doing, and we still don't. But we started working on this plan, and uh, we started praying for a location, and God began to kind of lead us towards Columbus. And so we weren't moving yet. We weren't having serious conversations, but we, we drove to Columbus, and we started driving around. This was like five, six, seven years ago. And uh, we drove around, and we began to pray, and we began to seek God, and we wrote out our ideas. Uh, and some of those early prayer documents, we dreamed of a church in Columbus, not knowing much about Columbus at the time. We dreamed of a church that would, could reach influence makers, a church that would reach young professionals and business leaders and then the wider community. Uh, we wanted to insert the gospel, the, the whole gospel, into the hearts and minds of people who could lead change in a city and in, in, a, in a state and in a country. People in finance and engineering and politics and nonprofits and artists and musicians and students and people in community development. We wanted to influence influence makers. And so not just that, though, we wanted to be, we dreamed of a church that could be engaged in issues of justice, that could serve amongst the poor and with the poor and be in relationship across great socioeconomic divide. And so we wanted to build bridges between the influence makers and the poor. In fact, we even said years and years ago that like we can take like an old Methodist church that's shut down and we can turn it into a ministry center. We dreamed of this. And it was all very exciting until we realized that our timing was off. It wasn't time yet, and so God told us to wait. I don't know if God's ever told you to wait before, but it's not always a fun thing. So instead of leaving for Columbus to plant a church, we packed our bags and, of all places, went to Athens, Ohio. 
and I became the associate pastor at Central Avenue United Methodist Church. And while there, this church became our home. And the pastor um, there, Paul Reisler, became our pastor. And all of those details began to, to just uh, fade away. Um, we still had the drive to plant a church, but the details and all of our plans that we had laid out for ourselves were almost entirely forgotten. In fact, two years later, when God reignited this passion to plant a church, we had all but forgotten about those documents and prayers and ideas. And we were different people, and God had brought us through so much over that time. Uh, we had a, a child um, on the way, and then eventually Finn was born, and like we were just completely different people, and so we're like, you know what? We're going to start completely fresh, and we did it completely differently. This time, we approached the conversation with people, with our pastor and our church and the conference and even our bishop. And together, we started to discern of all places that God might send us to Columbus to start a church, still forgetting all of these details we had come up with before. So we drove around again like we did the first time, but this time with a van full of people praying in different neighborhoods. And one of the places we were considering was this little community called Grandview Heights. Now, we were attracted to this neighborhood for a couple of reasons. First, we wanted to be here because we were looking for a neighborhood that needed a church. And in Grandview, there are a couple of historic traditional churches that will be able to reach a certain type of people. But we wanted to, and we really believe this, that if we're going to reach the people no one else is reaching, we need to do what no one else is doing. And so we wanted to be in Grandview because we, there wasn't a new presence for the gospel in a long time. There's a few churches around the outskirts of Grandview, but in Grandview proper, there wasn't one. And so we felt that there was a need for that new gospel presence in this neighborhood. Second, we wanted to be somewhere that people from the wider city enjoyed coming to and visiting. We were looking for a place not only to reach residents, but to reach those who like to shop and eat and uh, drink and play. And Grandview is certainly fits that category. It was important to us because at the time, we had people on our launch team from all over the city. And so we wanted a central location uh, that people could connect to from all over. And finally, uh, we were looking for a place that wasn't on campus per se, um, but we wanted to be close to campus because we have a heart for college students. It's a big part of our church that we came out of in Athens. And we wanted to, if not right away, eventually to be able to reach college students. And so as we hung out at Stoffs and saw college students hang out in this community, we thought, you know what, Grandview might work for that as well. And so we were learning more, we were leaning more and more towards Grandview, but I wasn't convinced. I, uh, I, I wanted a sign. And I don't think I've shared this part of the story before. Um, I got a sign from a very unlikely place. It was from an email from my dear friend, uh, Greta. Greta lives in Athens, and uh, she's a bit of an old saint. And uh, she's the kind of person, when she prays, God listens. I know theologically, that's an inappropriate thing to say. God listens to all of us. But do you know what I mean? There's just those people that when they pray, you see God move in profound ways. She had this deep, robust face. Let me give you an example. Um, a little bit before we moved uh, to Columbus, uh, we were in the process of trying to figure out where, where to plant the church. Um, uh, she called us up, and she, she was very sick, um, very, very sick. Um, she wasn't on death's doorstep, but she was starting to look in that direction. Um, and the doctors couldn't figure out what to do. There was nothing they could do. And so she called the elders of the church to come together and say, hey, we want you to come and pray for us. And um, I'll just tell you a little bit of something about me and the church we come out of. We are a bit of cynical Christians. And so when it comes to God working in miraculous ways, we tend to be a little cynical. Um, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying 
That's me. And so, but she wouldn't let us. You know, like she was like, no, we are praying for a mere, like God is going, I believe God is going to heal me. So like, and she's asking me and these other people in our church to pray for her. Like we couldn't not ask for it at that point. So and we did. We asked God, will you just heal her? And God did. I shouldn't be surprised, but God did. That night, in a way that the doctors can't explain, she was healed. So here's Greta, this woman of faith who just trusts God in profound ways. And here we are, right around the same time, trying to figure out you know, what God wants to do and where God wants to put us. And I've learned to listen a lot better. And so I'm trying to get as much voices as I can. And right around that time, soon after she had been healed, she emails me. She had no idea of the conversations we were having. She wasn't part of those conversations. But she says to me, hey, I hear you're uh, planting a church in Columbus. I think you guys should plant a church in Grandview Heights. And I was like, well, I'm literally, like, if you say so, like, at that point, right? <laughs> it's like, like I, I'm not going to argue with you. God just healed you because, you, you know, and so that was all the confirmation we needed. And so last September, we launched a church, and we're so grateful that the theater has allowed us to be here and let us in this space. And since launching, we've seen God do some amazing things. Last fall, we, we invited 180 people to join us for a week of service. We've baptized six people. We've seen countless people who'd completely given up on church come back to church for the first time after being away. We've seen people sign up to, and step up to serve and to give and to lead and to offer whatever they have for the mission. We've, we have small groups in Grandview, too, in Grandview at Glen Echo, Franklinton. We have a growing worship team. Um, we have children's ministry. We've provided supplies to homeless camps. We've connected with hundreds of moms, pregnant moms, and we've connected them to resources through our partnership with Celebrate One. We've given away hundreds of boxes at Christmas Eve. We hand-deliver food to the elderly and the disabled who are homebound every month, dozens of boxes every month. We've taken an old church and turned it into a ministry center, an idea that I had all but forgotten about until God just literally dropped it in our lap. God has shown up again and again. But we've seen our challenges. Um, we know for some time that this space, the theater, has not been a great fit for us. Our children's ministry has been maxed out for months. You look around this room and you're like, wow, we have a lot of room to grow, but the reality is, is uh, we probably won't grow any more than our children's ministry in a lot of ways, and our children's ministry is full, and it has been for a while. And we've even seen some people come and go because of our children's ministry, just not having room and adequate space. Um, and it's not just room. The space itself is just a little bit um, not the greatest. It's uh, cement floors, and let's name it, it's next to a bar. And by the entryway, um, so, you know, there are issues of, like, every single person walks by our children's space, and there's been issues of concerns around security. And even in our worship environment, we're very limited what we can do. We really value community and authenticity. And theaters, I don't know if you know this, but theaters are designed for you to watch a show. It's literally how they're designed, and that is literally the last thing we want to do in our worship. There's some great churches that put on great shows, and God uses them in powerful ways, and that is not us. So in some ways, while the theater has been a great place to uh, connect with, we love the staff and they love us, the space itself, the architecture itself has been something that we've actually wrestled with. So for a while now, we've been looking for something different, something new, a new space, and honestly, friends, we have checked out dozens of places, <laughs> places to rent, borrow, lease. Some of you even went to some of these places with us, all the while trying to stay in Grandview. So the reality is a lot of larger churches have skipped over the actual community of Grandview because the truth is, is there's parking issues and building issues um, to have a larger church. And so we just couldn't find anything. And I have to be honest, I had all but given up hope. 
In fact, just two weeks ago, I told Alyssa, I said, if we can't find a space that works in this neighborhood, we're gonna have to leave the neighborhood. God's just gonna have to call us somewhere else. We need space for our kids, and we need space that makes sense for the worship that we do, um, because this is, isn't working. And I had begun to think that maybe God didn't want us here after all, just honestly. Um, maybe we'd gotten it wrong, that we'd missed it. I mean, who makes the decision because someone emails you randomly? That's just stupid. Um, <laughs> So what if, we got, what if we read the signs wrong? You know, what if we needed people? Um, what if God wanted us somewhere else? And it was literally there, as often is, when all hope was lost, that God dropped in our lap the name of a new event space. Not far from here, just a short walk away, in fact, is a new event space called CA Backspace. It's very close. You can see on the map where Central City Church is and where CA Backspace is. We heard about this, so we went and checked it out. And when I walked in, something happened, something clicked. I could just tell this space would be perfect for worship. I mean, this space had almost everything we were looking for. Um, not necessarily perfect. It's going to have some new challenges, but it, it, but, it, but it was great, almost miraculously so. The worship space is, is phenomenal. It's professional sound system already set up. The stage is already set up. If we want to use a stage, chairs, we can arrange however we want. We can worship in the round or however we want to do that. Gathering and hospitality area and children's space that isn't significantly larger than our current one, but it's down a hallway, not by the entrance, with real carpet and real doors. So we're very excited about this. Yes. Children will be contained in a safe way. But here's the crazy part. We, we stop in and we talk with them, and I kid you not, the manager and the owner of the building and the manager of the space had just been talking weeks prior, said, you know what would be really great? It'd be really great if we could find a church to rent to. Like they were looking for a church to rent. So here are a couple of photos I wanna show you. Um, uh, up at the top, you have the worship space, and uh, they, they got tables and chairs set up in that photo, but you've got a, a stage on the uh, left, and then you've got the worship space. And then in the back, in the other black and white photo is a hospitality area, and then down here, are some children's spaces um, that uh, will be converting a conference room and some office space into children's spaces. Um, now, this is still temporary space. Uh, we won't own it, but it comes with some really great things. So right now, we rent the theater for four hours every Sunday. And while the theater is going to miss us, um, and they completely understand about the move, and we hope to do other things in the theater and continue to, to build on that relationship, but we still, we rent it for four hours on Sunday. Uh, CA Backspace is going to give us their place, not only Sunday morning, but part of the afternoon, which means we get to hang out or we can even do multiple services. We also will get a few hours each week for the band to rehearse in the space. And on Mondays, yeah, the band's clapping. And on Mondays, they uh, will have office hours there. And so we're going to get office hours. We get it more on Sunday. We get rehearsal time. We get more time, more space, better children's space. And it's cheaper. What? No. Yeah, you can clap. It's going to be exciting. So now, um, it's not larger than the theater, um, but we think it will work better. Um, it, we expect that we should be able to fit about 100 adults in worship and still only around 20 kids in our children's ministry. So our hope is simple. This is what it's going to look like. We want to move to this space. We are moving. We're not wanting. We are moving to this space July 8th. We're excited. 
Now, we're praying that during the summer and into the fall, we'll continue to live into our mission and God will continue to work in the midst of us. So we're gonna spend the rest of the summer working out some kinks in the new space. New space presents all kinds of new opportunities. I don't even know what those challenges will be yet, but we'll figure them out. We're gonna figure those out during the summer, making minor adjustments to our children's ministry, to our worship, to our teaching, and order this life of our new church. But for the sake of creating better clarity, um, we're gonna try to live into our mission even more. And then in the fall, we're gonna focus on outreach. We're gonna be doing some community events and inviting the neighborhood to check us out in this new location. So um, you're welcome to invite people to this new space at any point. Um, we're going to be challenging you to invite them in the fall. Um, but you, of course, you can do that before then as well. Now, we expect to grow, hopefully, quickly in this new space, and we'll soon have the same problem we have here. We'll run out of children's space. We have a couple of ideas of how to solve this. This is the one I want to tell you about first. Because this new space, we'll have it much longer on Sundays without any hurry to be out by noon with less setup for both the children and the AV, we'll be able to do multiple services, um, I think, fairly easily. So our hope is, is that once the children's space is full, we're gonna move the two services. The worship area will probably not be full at that point, just so you know, but as soon as the children's space is full, we're gonna try to move to two services. And if God works the way that we uh, have seen God work in the past, that could be as early as um, uh, the fall. But we expect that with multiple services, either two or eventually three services, we should be able to grow in this space past 200 people. Um, that's our prayer. That's what we believe God has for us. The question I have is, are you with us? Yes. Woo! That was a really long pause, guys. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit. Um, I want to transition and, and, and kind of get into the, the sermon series and spend some time in Scripture. Now, there have been seasons in my ministry and in my life where things have been very clear. Uh, like when I first became a pastor, I just knew this is what I was created to do. But there have been other times when I've been much more confused confused about what God was doing, doubting whether God was doing anything at all. How is this all supposed to work? Why are we here? What, what do we do? What does God have planned for us? Sometimes in faith, I have more questions than I have answers. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's something really beautiful that happens during a season of confusion. It forces us to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. So I wanna just say that if you're confused, confused about who you are or what you're doing or what God wants for you or your place in this world, I know what that feels like. You're not alone and that doesn't make you a bad person and God isn't done with you. Honestly, I feel like I'm coming out of a season uh, like that, partly because of just the nature of what we've been doing. In the last year, we started a new church, moved to a new city, bought a fixer-upper, and had a kid. It's bound to leave you a little dazed and confused, to say the least. In fact, whenever you do something new, I don't know if you've ever embarked on something new, um, chaos is a natural part of it. It's just a part of doing something new. Consider Genesis 1. I'm not gonna take time to read it. I encourage you to read it on your own. But Genesis 1 is the first account in the Bible about the first new things, the creation of the world, the true meaning of what it means to create something out of nothing. When God created the world, friends, I want you to know that when God created the world, it was chaotic. Everything was new and out of place. In fact, in Genesis 1, when God created all the world, you can read it for yourself, but if you look at the story of creation, God spends most of the time not creating anything. That happens really quick. The story is actually about how God orders what he created. He created light, 
But then he told light where to go. Light, you go over here, and darkness, you come over. He created animals, and then he says, okay, you animals, you go over here. It's like moving into a new house. Have you moved into a new house recently? Uh, we did last year, and we're still moving into it. It's uh, new and exciting, but it's chaotic, isn't it? And after all the moving is done, whether you uh, guilted your friends into helping or paid somebody, you get all of your boxes into the house, and then what? Then it's just chaos. It's all new. It's maybe even exciting, a new community or a new house, and maybe it's the house you've always wanted, but it's chaos. And the next job becomes putting everything away. You've got to put the cups in the cupboards and the clothes in the closets, and that's what's happening in Genesis 1. He creates the world, and then he's putting everything in its proper place. Light, you go here. Oceans, you go here. Dry land, you go here. I'm going to separate the water from the dry land. And sea creatures, you go where there's water. That makes sense. And land animals, you go where there isn't. Most of the creation story is about making sense of what was created. Taking the chaos of what was new and putting it in its proper place. That, friends, my friends, is just how the creative process works. From the very beginning, from the first process, starting something new is chaotic. And it's our job to order that chaos so that it makes sense. It's only then that I think we can begin to see things clearly. It's only then that we can see what God wants us to do. It's like, where's Waldo? Do you remember Waldo? Um, here's a photo. Um, maybe you even remember where Waldo is if you memorized these as a kid. Now, the problem with finding Waldo isn't that he's out of focus or that it's too dark or that your eyes are blurry or that you need a new prescription. We can't find Waldo because he's lost in the chaos of the photo. It's too busy. It's too chaotic. Too much is going on. See, during times of change or transition, and I don't know what kind of change or tra transition you're going through, this is how I feel when I'm in my, my relationship with God. I know Jesus is there somewhere. I just can't find him because too many things are going on. It's too chaotic. And by ordering things and putting them in their proper place, I can find him. So even just ordering things a little bit, go to the next photo, you, you, know, you can then see where Waldo is. Even just the smallest amount of clearing back the clutter, water, you go here, earth, you go here, animals, you go here. Just ordering our life just a little bit, we can see more clearly. Just the smallest adjustment can make all the difference. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to get glasses, but I, it was at time for me to um, uh, go see the eye doctor and renew my prescription. Um, and when you do, they have you sit in a chair in front of this giant apparatus, and they click through different lenses, and they ask you, does one look better, two look better? Have, have you done this before, those who have glasses? Um, and it's funny, because the smallest adjustment can be the difference between seeing like you're in a fog and seeing with perfect clarity. So in this series, Focus, I, I want to talk about some of the adjustments that we can make in our lives and in the life of our church that will bring us more clarity. It becomes clear to me that God has us here for a reason, that God has us in Columbus for a reason, that God has us in Grandview in this part of Columbus for a reason. And I believe that God has plans for us. This is clear. And God is beginning to show us why. So over the last six months, as we've been a church, I've been trying to listen, listening to as many of you as I have a chance to. And, and of course, I've been praying and trying to seek God. And I think that I've found some trends, some things that we all feel could, could be some adjustments we could make in our community and in our individual lives that will help us bring our calling, our mission into focus. And that's what we want to talk about. Over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to look at some new prescription lens. 
some lens that will help us see what God's will is for us more clearly. The thing about prescriptions, of course, is that they are personal. What works for one person isn't gonna work for another. But I feel that God has six prescriptions for us as a community. Six things that are good most any time, but are especially unique to who we are, where we are, and what God is calling us to. Now, this is the mission God has on us, has for us. And ultimately, that mission, just from the start, we gotta start here, is all about Jesus. I want you to know that you don't have to believe in Jesus or follow Jesus to be part of this community, but that's our mission nonetheless. So we start there. We wanna love Jesus, love like Jesus, and be loved by Jesus. For me, everything is about Jesus. We go to Jesus as our advocate, savior, mentor, and friend. We're here to serve Jesus, and we're here to serve others like Jesus. We're here to be Jesus, to be Jesus' hands and feet. When you boil it all down, our mission is Jesus, to live like him, to love like him, to be saved by him. And so I want to give you six prescription lenses that I think will not only help us see Jesus more clearly, but to see the mission that Jesus has for us more clearly, to see the world more clearly, the world in which the way that God looks at the world, the way the truth and the life that Jesus has for us. So here are the the prescription lenses that we're going to look through in this series. First is transparency, compassion, excellence, sacrifice, evangelism, and diversity. These are six prescription lenses that if we use them to look at God's mission for us and the world around us and each other, we'll see what God wants to do more clearly. In other words, these are the things that I'm going to suggest that God is calling us to not only embody as a church, but when we embody them, our life will make more sense. So I want to explain each one of these very briefly today, and then in the next five to six weeks, we're going to spend time talking about each one of these lenses. The first one is transparency. Friends, we live in a city where people are constantly comparing each other. I do it, you do it too. So many people are trying to put on a show, including myself, which means when we put on a show, when we put on a mask and we try to pretend we're something we're not, what we're really saying is that I don't believe other people will accept me or love me for who I really am. And so I got to pretend like I'm somebody else. Well, we want to be a church that loves people so radically and boldly that they know without a shadow of a doubt, they don't have to hide who they are, even the stuff that maybe they're not super proud of. So we want to be a place where transparency is one of our core values. We need to start by being honest with ourselves. And it's something our community needs. Now, I want to say that it might not be something our community wants. You know, some of the things that God wants for us, we don't want. But it's something I I believe we need. And I think it's something that we have to offer, the way in which we do ministry and what God's placed on our hearts, where we can be transparent. And it begins by being transparent with each other. So that's the first lens, transparency. We'll talk more about that next week. The next one is compassion. Compassion literally means to suffer alongside. And when we begin to realize that we humans are broken people, torn apart by sin, our primary response to another human being should be compassion. The willingness to love somebody, especially someone who's different from you. God calls us to be people of compassion. He calls us to love the hurting and the poor and the homeless and the single mom and anyone who's marginalized. God calls us to be a place of compassion. And if somebody comes into our community who is significantly different from you, your first response, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, should be compassion, being willing to love them. That's the second lens. We'll talk more about that next week too. The next one is excellence. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I uh, don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a pretty laid back kind of guy. I, uh, I uh, just have worked really hard not to worry about it, uh, whatever it is. 
Um, and people have noticed that about our church. In fact, we've had visitors come and say, wow, everyone's like just kind of super chill. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. But there's a dark side of being super chill. Uh, sometimes it gives us the impression that it's okay uh, for things to not be as good as they should be. Um, we value people more than we do performance, but because we value people, um, we want everyone to offer their very best. Um, everything we should do, not because we're trying to compare ourselves to other people or do best to win over other people, but because everything we do is being done for God and that God delights in hard work and earnest effort. And it's for God that we do anything. So something happens when we start to realize that God is asking us to do everything with excellence. It changes the way we see our job. It changes the way that we see the way in which we volunteer or serve. And that's what we're gonna talk about in two weeks. We're gonna spend some time talking about how can we serve with excellence in everything that we do. So the second lens is excellence. The next one is sacrifice. So with excellence, we talked about giving our best. Sacrifice is all about giving our all. We follow a God who didn't hold anything back. He was willing to suffer for our sake. He was willing to give it all. And we are called to be as generous as God because it's in being generous and giving until it hurts that we begin to see the world more clearly, to see the world the way God sees it. Jesus says that, that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. He doesn't say it the other way around. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. It's not where your heart is, that's where you're gonna end up giving your time and your resources. No, he says, where you give your time, your resources, your money, that's where your, that's where your heart's gonna be as well. And so we are called to be generous because it pushes us to live and to love like Jesus. And we see the world as God sees it, as a place worthy of generosity sacrifice. The next one is evangelism. Um, now, I want to say that we, uh, I think there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable with evangelism because we are, uh, as a culture, uncomfortable with imposing our religious beliefs onto other people. This is just the reality of our culture. And, um, um, but I want to challenge us, and we're going to spend some time unpacking this, to think about evangelism in a slightly different way. Um, more than helping people or convincing people to believe what I believe, what we want to talk about is we want to help people overcome the barriers that exist between us and God and each other. Evangelism at its best is about the ministry of reconciliation. And we can help people who are far from God, who separated from God, move into relationship with God, to become reconciled. This is the heart of the gospel, because as we talked about last week when we talked about the two great commandments, the two great commandments is to love God and to love your neighbor. The gospel makes that possible, because I don't know if you know this, but we start out at odds with our neighbor and at odds with God. And so the gospel comes in and says, no, God can forgive you and you can forgive each other and you can move back into relationship with each other. And that's what we want to do. We want to help more and more people move into a healthy relationship with their neighbor and with God. And that's at the heart of evangelism. The next one, finally, is diversity. Now, the truth is, is in some ways, we're a fairly diverse church. It might sound strange, but uh, we are. We have people who, diverse, who are diverse in thought, politics, and theology. Um, we have people who experience Jesus in a lot of different ways, some charismatic, some more intellectual, some through social justice. Um, so in some ways, we're pretty diverse, and we want to remain a church that is intentionally open to a, a diverse group of people in the way that you experience God. But when it comes to um, race or skin color, nationality, we're not so diverse. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and this is something we need to work on. 
Now, I want to be honest with you. Diversity has always been something that Alyssa and I are passionate about. Um, and, uh, but we were taught somewhere along the lines that a church should reflect this neighborhood. That's just a phrase that we picked up somewhere. And the reality is, is this particular neighborhood, not the city, but this particular neighborhood isn't very diverse. And I think early on, we kind of used that as like, you know, like our church should reflect the neighborhood. The neighborhood's not diverse. We won't worry about it. Um, we, if we're diverse, that's great. If we're not, no big deal. And I want to say this last week as I was praying through these lenses, um, God really convicted me. I don't think the church should reflect the neighborhood. Uh, the church should reflect the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is diverse. And if the neighborhood's ever going to be diverse, it's got to start somewhere, and why not with us? Amen. And so I think this is something that we really should work on. And it's not going to be easy because of our location, and for some reason, you know, God has called us to this particular community. But we aren't meant to reflect our neighborhood. We should change it. And this goes to all of these things. As I talk about some of these things, I would say that there are people that we're going to try to move into, help move into a relationship with God. And they might not be, this isn't exactly, a, a, some of these things aren't seeker friendly, I think is the technical term. But this is what I believe God has called us to. And the reason is because it's not only when we are diverse in thought and politics and theology and race that we can see the breadth of God more clearly. It's, see, God we bear the image of God. And so we need each other, a diverse group of people. We need a diverse group to truly understand who God is. And we need not just as a show, but we need diverse theology. We need people who come with an experience of faith that is expressed outside of the colonial influence of theology. If none of that makes any sense, then don't worry about it. I've just been reading a lot of blogs. But we need, we need theology that represents things that we don't understand at first and we need to be open to those conversations. So these are the lenses that we're going to look through in this series, each one helping us, I think, see clearly what God has called us to. Transparency, compassion, excellence, sacrifice, evangelism, and diversity. So over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about each one of these, some more than others, but we hope to cover them all. We think this is a perfect time for us to recenter ourselves and focus on what God has called us to as we prepare to move to a new location and be able to live into who we are in maybe more in profound ways. Now, we know where we're going. We know what we need to get there. We know what we need help with. Um, we're gonna actually give you some really practical ways to do some of this stuff. So in the coming weeks, this is what it's gonna look like. It's gonna be really fun, you're gonna like it. So even though we're moving July 8th, I want you to keep coming. These next couple Sundays are really, really important. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk, I'm gonna preach a little bit. I'm gonna share some, we're gonna open up scripture and I'm gonna try to share the why behind some of these. And then Alyssa um, is gonna come up and spend some time showing you the how, which reflects our personalities really well. And so I'm gonna try to just challenge and dig into what does it mean to do things with excellence and what does it mean to be more diverse. And then Alyssa is gonna come up and say, here's how you serve. Here's how planning center works. And here's how you can share your faith and things like that. So we're going to be preaching together, uh, well, separately together, which also explains us. <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're not going to share a mic. <laughs> Sorry. So we're going to be preaching together in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be very important, very practical as we build towards uh, where we're headed and, uh, later this summer and into the fall. And we're going to be doing a couple other things. We're going to be doing for daily devotions this, uh, for this series, we're going to be inviting you on a prayer journey. We want to just cover this time in prayer.
So there's a couple of ways that you can be a part of that. Um, one, you can just go to centralcity.co slash podcast, and each week we'll post um, a, a, a devotional for the week and then specific prayer prompts for each day. And so you can go there, and I want to invite you to go and spend time every day this week and over the next six weeks praying for the things. So the first thing we're going to pray for this week is our location. We're going to pray for our new location. We're going to thank God for this one. We're going to pray for our locations and local missions, our various offices that we have throughout the city, um, where our small groups are. We're going to pray for our location. And moving forward, we're going to be praying for some of these things that we're talking about. So I'm going to invite you to uh, join us on Sunday, spend some time in prayer, and commit, begin to wrestle with some of these things that God is calling us to. So with that, I'm going to invite the band to come up, and uh, we're going to close our time in prayer. God, as we quiet our hearts before you, we're thankful for the ways in which you work in our lives, often in unexpected ways. Lord, we trust that you can do far more than we could ever think or imagine. That your Holy Spirit can work in our lives and is working even right now, that there are probably people in these seats right now who are feeling a, a deep sense of call to be a part of maybe even just one of these things. A sense of passion to engage in one of these lenses and Lord, we ask that you would bring clarity into their life as they step up and serve and lead and engage in conversation and prayer. That you would open up doors for us to, to be who you've called us to be. Even at times when it's difficult, even at times when it's countercultural, even at times when it makes us uncomfortable, when we feel challenged, give us strength as we enter into a new season, as we enter to a new place, as we maybe feel a little bit of chaos as a church, but even as individuals, Lord, as I think of those in the room who are just going through some sort of significant change in their life and they feel so overwhelmed, lost in the crowd, we ask that you would give us wisdom as we order our lives, put things where they belong so we can live with a sense of purpose and clarity who you've created us to be. Give us this great sense of peace. It's your name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.